0: Our text this morning is the uh, epistle reading, 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. Um, didn't know you were getting two chapters today, huh? Okay, so actually it's only part of it. But let me take you to uh, the middle part there, 16, 17, 18 of uh, chapter 4. It says, though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. This is our text. In the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, This may give you some nightmares um, if you had any time in the military. I'm not talking to anybody in particular, except I know a couple that are involved here today. Uh, I want you to think about boot camp a little. Now, uh, it was different for me because I went to uh, an academy, which is, you know, they're supposed to train officers there. So boot camp lasts four years. I I never really understood that exactly. But uh, I'm just going to talk about those first two months because that was, I mean, that's kind of like what boot camp is like. Uh, so, it, you know, at the crack of dawn, actually felt like it was before the crack of dawn sometimes, they'd get you up in the middle of the summer. Because, uh, you know, ours was in July and August, which was delightful. Uh, and, the, and you got to deal with the calisthenics. And it was really wonderful. Uh, now, see, the, the thing that was difficult about this is it's a lot of exercise and it's early and it goes on for a long time, and and it feels like they're trying to kill you, uh, and 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 that you've agreed to it fully somehow. You you know, if you went to boot camp, you signed. Uh, yep, Please try to kill me. Oh, I, I don't know if that's in the fine print or what, but uh, at the academies, it's a little different because because um, you can go home if you want to. And, and a lot of guys did this. They they do that morning thing, and it felt like death was coming. And they said, "This is too much for me. I don't need to do this." And they said, "Forget it. I'm going home." And a lot of guys do. It's harder to do that when you signed and said, "Oh, please try to kill me." The listman doesn't work like that. I hear. So, but a lot of guys it went home. It wasn't worth it, and they didn't need to do it, so they went home. Except they missed something. In that struggle, you uh, actually eventually. Um, develop some strength. So the 3,000 push-ups we did for that eight weeks didn't seem to matter as much because we actually had muscles. Uh, and if you 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 know if you ran five miles that morning, it wasn't any big problem because you got to where you could do it. You developed endurance for such things. Uh, uh, if you hang in there, then you would learn some confidence about what your body was capable of and then you didn't sweat it so much and it didn't feel like agony anymore. And, and the other thing that you would miss if you left is that you actually develop a sense of unity with the other people that are out there with you. Because you can encourage one another. And, uh, and while you know, there were some other guys out there doing a lot of yelling and screaming at us, I guess that's unity. Never understood it that way, but it is. It, see, but if you skip it, if you run away from it, if you quit, then you never experience any of those things and you, and you actually missed out. Now, I'm talking about this because, well, it's not exactly exercise that the people at Corinth are dealing with. Uh, but the, what happens is the, the response is very similar. Um, these people, it was a a relatively new church. It was only a few years old. Paul had really only just gotten to them. And he was writing them a letter because he wasn't there to help them uh, defend themselves very well. So he writes in these letters and these people are starting to experience some persecution uh... and and this would be added on top of all the other kind of affliction that you have as a human being at least a lot of human beings have affliction of one kind or another. I'd say all of them really. But uh, Some of you I doubt for sure whether you've noticed. Maybe you did. Affliction, right? We all have that suffering problem. Well, this add on to a a persecution. That's what they were dealing with. After just a few years of hanging around with Jesus, that was pretty tough for them. The, The problem of suffering is that it's really, really hard to ignore in the face of all the other things that you have to deal with. Uh, you might even have to drop a few things because you're afraid or you're distracted or whatever. But who wants more of that? And that's what they are dealing with. So they were new Christians. They weren't very well developed in the faith. They had walked away from the life that they had. And on top of that, they're dealing with persecution now. Add some more to that. In Christian life, there are things that are asked of you. God doesn't just... Leave you walking around, uh, enjoying your faith. He, he actually says your faith is going to do stuff, and and you have kindnesses to deal with. You have worship to deal with. You have. Uh, You have to be reminded of forgiveness and the fellowship that we enjoy together. All of the stuff that you do in your job changes because now you're not only taking care of people, but you're looking after God's things too. All of that stuff added on top of persecution, on top of the normal everyday affliction that you have. That's what they were dealing with. Now, the rich and the powerful, and there was a lot of them in Corinth. I guess you'd have to say uh, Corinth was known as... uh, Greek Riviera sort of kind of place, uh, so they had a lot of powerful people retired there, old senators and ambassadors and generals and uh, you know people like that with some influence and power, and wealth, and and on top of that you can add all the people that look after that. You you have the servants in those houses, you have the many merchants that were all over the place because it was a very serious seaport. The Romans shipped things in and out of there for trade and for support of their armies and etc. Taxes coming in and out. All of that stuff is going on there. And there are all the people that support that, whether they're working on the docks or in the shops or in the houses or whatever. Those folks, they already had a lot of the afflictions that the, the rich and powerful had less of, you might say, because they had the means to resist some of that. But still, they all experienced, on top of that, the unexpected persecution and the duties of Christian life. And it was hard for them, as you can kind of imagine. What ended up happening a lot of times is these folks, uh, looking at all that extra stuff they had to deal with as new Christians, uh, sometimes they would fade a bit. They would get weary of it, and they would just say, "I'm not doing this anymore. I don't have to do this," and they just walk away, which is what Paul's trying to keep them from doing here. Now, you may not be feeling persecution in the same way. Uh, probably hear the drumbeat of it out there a little bit, but but even still, <clears throat> you know, uh, you know how difficult it is to concentrate on any other meaningful thing if there is affliction in your face. So even the things that God asks you to do become apparently less important because you're having trouble with something else. It's distracting and it's difficult. It's a fact of life that there is always affliction of some kind in some degree, whether it's for you or somebody that you care about. And even if it's not right there, there's always the threat of affliction right there constantly. You either got it or you're looking to it and, and it's hard to deal with. You all know this because you have all suffered. None of that is surprising because you're old enough to know better but they are a constant caution, always. Uh, they are seen things, they are experienced things, and they're often feared things, and that's what we deal with. So how can you, sitting here today, uh, being Christian people, add to that the sacrifices of Christian life? Um, and by that, I mean, sometimes you have to help people do stuff uh, that causes you to give up something, uh, whether it's money or time or, or attitude, <laughs> because sometimes the people that feel like uh, they need you are not necessarily apparently deserving of it. And you have to give up your anger and your frustration and set those aside and still help. That is a sacrifice of a sort, too. But this is the kind of thing that God asks of you as Christians. Add that on top of the afflictions that you already experience as simple human beings. And it's really, really difficult not to get discouraged. Getting tired enough, I guess, of the extra stuff and the bottomless need for service in the world that people need, that is inevitable. And and it's, uh, well, it's easy to fade a little on this, to get weary. To say, God, I'm taking a break. I'm not doing this anymore. Or at least not for a little while. I, I can't. Not right now. I don't have enough in me to get through all of the other afflictions that I have to face whether I like it or not. And all the things you ask of me and, and uh, well, you understand what I mean. It's really tough. So Paul, understanding this, he had a few afflictions of his own in his time. Uh, he encourages you here. He says, "We do not lose heart." He says, uh, underneath of that, to be bold with him, to have confidence with him, to pick up the task and be okay with it, because it's okay to do these things in confidence. Uh, and he and he gives you reasons for that. Uh, you know, we need to explain this though. Everything that you are in your constant state of life, whatever that is, all sufferings of the body and the mind of the soul is temporary. Uh, Transient, he uses that word. Um, You know, he also calls it momentary. Now, you know, uh, 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 being human beings, you probably have heard someone say, you can do almost anything for a little while if you have to, if you're tough enough. But uh, temporary might mean five years. <laughs> uh, and, and that doesn't look so happy. Uh, but when, what, what if he calls it momentary? Because he's looking at the, the long scheme of things. Momentary is a lot shorter than temporary. And he's standing it up next to eternity. He wants you to compare the difficulties of this world even the things that are added on by Christian sacrifice, even the things that you have to do for people that are not necessarily seen as deserving among us, and there are a few of them too, uh, to what is promised. He wants you to compare those two things. What is now, in temporary, momentary, next to eternity, which is promised. Uh, and that can paint you a different picture. What you see day to day, is burdensome sometimes. But what remains unseen, what you don't have in your actual hands or seem not to have, even though you are in the hands of God always, it seems like what is unseen beyond to the promises of God in hope are far more expansive than what you're experiencing now. That's what Paul wants you to see. He puts, uh, he says, uh, weighted, the eternal weight of glory. Now, if you're a Jewish guy, weight means something different than maybe we do. He's, uh, that Old Testament word that Hebrew guys use uh, for weight also means importance or, or even glory. Uh, it's a, a difficult thing to work out in English, but I think what he wants you to do here is he wants you to set these things into scale. So you have on one side the the difficult things that you deal with in life, even the things that he asks of you, for good reasons, as you know he's God and he has good reasons, uh, and and put that in in the scale on the other side with the glory of eternity, the perfection of paradise. Put those two things together, momentary and eternity. It changes the picture quite a bit. It's more important, The eternity is a perfect paradise standing next to the momentary affliction. It looks different. You can't see eternal life. But you can see promise because it's in writing. It's been spoken to you. You heard it. You believe it. You know about the promise. Uh, You can't see the result of the promise, but you can see that Christ came. He's not asking you to believe this stuff in a vacuum or to put this on the scale even though you don't have it. You do have it. It's yours. It's promised of God. Christ came to give it to you. He went to a cross to earn it for you. To take away the sinful things that are distracting from that. That take it away from you. And he gave you victory in his empty tomb as he stands alive even now. Death is no more threat to you ever. and eternity is yours. The affliction that Jesus experienced, even for us who have trouble hanging on to things, hanging on to him, the affliction that he took is the guarantee of your place in heaven's eternity. Look at that handful of decades that you have. Some of you have more than a handful. And stand that next to, no matter how hard they are, Put that in the scale next to eternal bliss in God's hands, which you are in now, which is why you have the promise now, which is why you have faith to believe such things now. You have this. And there's more yet than this. He says this odd thing I believed and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, he says. There's reasons for why you are here. There's reasons why you have affliction. God has his reasons. He makes them all work for good, all of them. And because we believe this, we speak it. Uh, We confess it. That's a very Lutheran thing to say, believe, teach, and confess. That's what we do. Uh, Now, most of what you do is here." And you do that together because it, it, it helps you in this fellowship to know that you're not the only one who believes, and that there are other Christians in this world who believe. And it's a it's a big thing to know that that eternity is real, not only to you but to all of them. And so we speak because we love people. You have experienced people in your family that you love, and some that you maybe don't love so much. You know, it happens some that you worry about but you speak to them you speak the truth to them it's it's why you're still here and why you accept the affliction because you love them and even your enemies sometimes you love when you're faced with that paul had to do that a lot he's faced a lot of people that were mad at him and he spoke he's saying that this is what you're here for too you endure affliction, you have Christ, you have eternal victory, and you speak to extend the kingdom. Christ is involved in this thing, you're not doing it by yourself. You have his grace, you have his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit works out through what you speak and by what you do in this life that you have. Wherever you serve, however you speak, all of those things you do in God's name, he uses them. And he gathers people to you and to himself in thanksgiving. It's the nature of that momentary problem to scream out that there is an eternity next to it. I have uh, been asked on a number of occasions. uh, I was in the Coast Guard and they have hurricanes around here. And for some reason I always seem to be around them. I still don't get away from them because they come here too. I don't know how you get out of it. But people asked me if if you had to get on a ship and you went out in a hurricane, I said, yeah, I done that. Do you know what it's funny? They never ever asked the Coast Guard to go out in good weather. So yeah, I did that. I went out on purpose. Were the, were the waves big? They were big. Yeah. Uh, Can you picture 50 feet? That's how big the water is sometimes. It was kind of ugly. Uh, And and if you're going out in in the thing like that on purpose because somebody told you you need to go, well, there's a rescue to do in that. So they say, are you afraid when you do that? You know, And you look back on say, I certainly hope I was. <laughs> because that would be the only sane way to be. But I have to say probably, because I don't entirely remember that. But I said I was too busy hanging on. It's, you know, you have to hang on. Otherwise, you're going for a ride that you didn't want to take. You have to hang on. And when you're helping somebody else, you're hanging on. And you're hanging on to them, and they're hanging on to you. And you're trying to get back to where you're supposed to be. This is the life that you live now. Those afflictions, they look like that. Uh, As we believe, though, we speak. Because we who know, we who believe, we, we are hanging on confidently to Christ. To his death and forgiveness, to his life and eternity. That's what we're hanging on to. Because it's the only thing that makes the other stuff work. And we want other people to hang on with us, hang on to us if necessary, but hang on with Christ. And so we speak. We speak that truth. To set in the scale for everybody to see that there is this moment and there is this eternity. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.